Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 438. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who does want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have a conversations with people we love. And we have Miss Karen Brody in the house. Is it Miss or Mrs.? Miss. Miss. <laughs> All right. Um, and who's Karen Brody? She is a women's well-being and leadership expert. She is the founder of Daring to Rest, a yoga nidra-based self-empowerment program for women, a certified yoga nidra instructor. She's also a contributor to Huffington Post, and her critically acclaimed play, Birth, has been produced on six continents. Which one are we missing? Antarctica? That's about it. Oh wow. wow! So we got to get we got to get her over to Antarctica. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that need this. You know, there probably are. And it's been translated into three different languages. So welcome, Karen. I'm glad to have you. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, guys. Um, sweetie, where do we start here? Well, first of all, we were just talking about her bio, and Karen, there was something else you were saying about that you the academy, the Daring to Rest Academy. Right. I've also created something called the Daring to Rest Academy that helps people share rest with others, the message of rest around the world. So Great. that's uh, a big part of my Daring to Rest world. Yes, you're a teacher in many different capacities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a long time to say teacher, but yeah, yeah I guess I'm a teacher. Yeah, yeah. you got to claim it. You're a teacher. <laughs> Believe me, you have taught me. So I just kind of like want to start with a really basic question. Why don't women rest, Karen? Why don't we rest? Oh, wow. Let me count the ways. Right. right. <laughs> well, we certainly feel our to-do lists are like ridiculously long, so we don't have time, you know, number one, probably. But there's, I think there's deeper pieces to the rest piece, you know? I mean, we have a lot of shame around rest. Mm. Shame is huge. I hear a lot of women tell me actually they were put down when they'd want to rest when they were growing up. They had parents actually that modeled not to rest, to keep going, that that was how you show your strength. Uh, worthiness, uh, when you don't feel worthy, you don't rest. Mm. You know, there's, there's, there's so many pieces and uh, we have been trained as women. Women have a long history with rest uh, from the 1800s, the late 1800s, when we were given the rest cure, we were literally told to lay in bed and do nothing because women were going mad. We were falling apart. We were having <gasps> breakdowns. We were, it, it was called the woman question. <clears throat> and this is... This, when was this? This is late 1800s, early 1900s. In the United States or all over the world or what? Primarily in the United States, but also in the UK, in Europe. Uh, the women were literally falling ill mysteriously. They, they had a, um, a, what they called invalidism and madness that happening to a large number of women, primarily middle to upper class. Mm. And there's a lot of theories around this, right? There's theories that, you know, we had gone from an agrarian society to a more industrial society. So women sort of had a role in the agrarian societies. And then industrial societies, women were in the home, waiting to have sex with their husbands, procreate, ha watch the kids. Really, they didn't have anything to do. And a lot of creative women, in particular, like Virginia Woolf, uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, who wrote The Yellow Wallpaper, which that piece, The Yellow Wallpaper, actually is uh, a piece that talks about, well, it's fic fiction, but it is related to Charlotte Perkins Gilman's experience with the rest cure and how she felt oppressed by it, how she felt that rest was given to her uh, in a way that, you know, now all we want is rest, right. <laughs> you know, don't, doesn't everyone want rest? Like, give me the rest cure. All I want to do is lay in bed. But back then it was really to silence women. That's more. what I was going to say. It feels different. Yeah. Yeah. And it really wasn't Women were experiencing, well, for Charlotte Perkins Gilman, she probably had postpartum depression. She had just had a baby. And so she was falling apart. And what they told her was to go in a room, close the doors, close the shades, uh, have no contact with the outside world, and never, I think the quote was like, put pen to paper again, the doctor told her, like, she should never write again. She's a writer. She, she felt she was a writer. And she was being told, no, that won't help you. Mm -hmm. You don't you know, that's not what women do. So rest was used to silence women a lot. 
And this is sort of the rest baggage we hold. And I really feel like what happened was women who wanted to rise up, they actually started to rebel and say, I'm not going to do this rest cure. Virginia Woolf, she was also told to rest. And Charlotte Perkins Gilman, there's a whole list of women who actually became very famous in a lot of women's movements and things like that, writers. And they started not resting, but we then swung the pendulum so far, and it became almost a badge of honor for women to get ahead in the world, to not rest, to keep doing, to follow that masculine, um, and, and that's not a male, the masculine paradigm, which is go, 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 do, do, do. And we did that to get ahead. That was a good bargain back then. Now it's a bad bargain not to rest. We've swung the pendulum too far. We've got to swing back. Mm. We've got to rest. For women now, to me, it's the key. It's a foundation. If you think about it, this is, you know, I'd say this to people and they go, oh yeah, in captivity, what do they do to torture people? No sleep, no food, no water. Foundations, the mm. three foundations, they take it away, you go crazy and yes. you die, you know, without the water. But rest is critical. That's, you go loopy mm. without rest. You start saying things that that's how they get you to say things that, you know, don't make any sense. So this is a foundation that when we put the foundation in place, when we have the foundation built, then the winds can blow, you know, life can fall apart as it may, because there's nothing that can stop life from falling apart, but you come back together. And I love, I love the way you're describing it because that's exactly what we like to talk about on this show is that balance, that in between, that gray that we always lose where it's, it's that, you know, we live in this polarization, this dichotomy of either you're here or here, and it's not about oppressing or silencing or like pulling back from the world. It's about engaging in the world by being rested. You know, that's the way that you can engage and that's where creative influence comes from is when you're rested or during the resting process. But one of the, I can't remember, I, it was pretty early on in your book. And because that's really what we're talking about today is Daring to Rest, Karen's book about Yoga Nidra. And I want to get into what that is, too. But one of the points you make that I outlined and outlined and outlined was rest. We, we have to redefine what rest means, because a lot of people think rest means I'm going to put on my pajamas, fold some clothes, talk to my kids and have my phone next to me in case I need to do this or that. That's not rest. So will you help? explained everybody what rest means yeah absolutely we've got to understand rest right mm -hmm. and we don't we don't we think rest is recreation we think oh, i'm gonna go for a bike ride mm -hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> oh i'm gonna read a book which that's not rest either reading a book lying down on the couch that may be relaxing for some people but that's not rest rest is doing nothing rest is no agenda rest is the opposite of activity it's the you know the, it's that Again, there's the masculine-feminine balance. You need to, when you do output, you need to put in. It's to going into your inner world. Rest is the pause. It's the surrender. So when we rest, we have the inhale and the exhale, and we're conscious of it. We're aware. There's an awareness. Again, there's no agenda with rest. Like It's not rest to fuel productivity, although ironically... That's the byproduct. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ironically, yes, we do rise up more in our lives when we rest. When we pause, we hear the instructions. Mm -hmm. Even though you're not looking for answers. Right. That's what... I, when I meditate, like stuff will just pop up. Yeah. I wasn't even trying to solve that problem. That's well, right. And that's what's interesting about our society is because we're such a productive society, and I'm putting that in quotes, meaning that's what we want to be, we often dive into things because we're like, what will I get from it? And again... That's good, meaning rest, you'll feel more rested. But a lot of times we're like, I'm going to rest. So then I get, you know, then I, whatever, I get, um, you know, feedback from my body about something or I get, um, you know, then I can do more. And so sometimes we go into it for productivity reasons, but then realize, you know, it's funny because even as I'm talking about it, it's all interconnected. Like I'm finding that, well, yeah, we do go into it for that reason. But sometimes the reason we begin it is not always what we end up getting out of it. You know what I mean? We Absolutely. have kind of like a, you know, we get we get different messages. And so you, what you teach and what you um, do yourself is something called Yoga Nidra. Yes. yes. And so when did Yoga Nidra come into your life? Like, how did you learn about it? Well, I had never heard of it before. I mean, 
it sounds actually like yoga, like you're doing bendy, stretchy, right. whatever. And I, 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 I wouldn't have even known that this is more like a nap. You know, yeah. yoga, you know, it means union, but and nidra is in Sanskrit, it means sleep. And so yoga nidra is the sleep of the yogi. I wasn't looking for the sleep of the yogi or anything like that when I walked into a yoga studio uh, in 2004. My children were in preschool. I was actually on my third year of anti-anxiety medication. I had had serious panic attacks, a history of panic attacks, but a really, really bad one that sent me to the emergency room when my kids were under the age of two. I had two kids under the age of two. My husband traveled five months of the year. So I was going cuckoo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my son, my oldest son, never slept. Uh, we ate with a vacuum cleaner on for over a year because that was the white noise and it would send him into a trance and mm. it was the only way it would keep him from, it, he would stop screaming. So I was really tired and I had started having panic attacks. And when I found Yoga Nidra, I actually was eyeing a yoga studio near my kid's preschool to do a bendy stretchy yoga class because I wanted to take off the postpartum weight and I thought, yeah, I'm going to get back into shape. When I walked in, I heard a woman leading Yoga Nidra. I didn't know what it was, but it sounded so relaxing, so calm. And I literally peered into the door to the right of me. I looked in and all these women were laying down with blankets over them, eye pillows. They looked totally blissed out taking what looked like a nap to me. That's Sounds right like, up your alley. I don't, I don't know what yoga, I know. <laughs> I don't know what Yoga Nidra is. I'm learning from you right now as we speak, but it sounds like it's Shavasana, right? It, or no? No, Shavasana is a pose. It's the corpse pose. Yeah. And you do it after yoga as an integrative okay. piece. And, and it is deeply relaxing and it's restful. But yoga nidra is actually a technique. So there is a okay. difference, but you are in, you're laying, you don't have to lay down with yoga nidra, but typically you do lay down. So it looks like Shavasana. Okay. It does look like Shavasana. Shavasana, sometimes people guide you a bit in Shavasana. Mm -hmm. Some yoga teachers who've been trained in Yoga Nidra will lead people in Yoga Nidra at the end of a yoga session. Mm -hmm. So you may have been guided a bit and then you may have gone into Yoga Nidra. Mm -hmm. You need to be at least 15 minutes in, yoga, um, be guided to or get into the state of Yoga Nidra. So not all Shavasana is. So you know, is Yoga Nidra, is it, um, does it, can you do it? Can you do it in five minute spans or is it a class you have to take that takes an hour? Like, I don't even know. What does it look like? You can do it in 15 minutes. Okay. You can do little parts of it another time. For example, when I had anxiety and panic attacks, I would do it in the supermarket aisle. I would do just the body rotation, body mm. sensing. That would calm me straight down, you know. Mm. But then there are the, the full yoga nidra experience. 15 minutes is the smallest, and usually it's not more than 45 minutes. And there is a guidance to it, correct? Because like what I got from you was that there are, because, you know, obviously you can have a teacher who guides you, but if you are not in a class, then there is actually something you can listen to. Is Absolutely. Yeah. You have, there's a specific map that we travel, a journey that we travel in Yoga Nidra. And what's really, I think, super exciting and why I shake my Yoga Nidra pom-poms all the time <laughs> is because there are five bodies that we live in, in yoga, we believe there's five koshas. And these five bodies, when you shine awareness on them, when you rotate attention through them, which is what we do in the Yoga Nidra journey, you begin to lift all the weight there. You begin to lift um, all the heaviness, all the all the stuff that the the habits, the patterns that you're in, they begin to feel lighter, and you begin to see what yogis would say the this the light of your soul. You begin more to be more in touch with your soul. What are the five bodies? So these five bodies, we think we live in just our physical body, right? Because right. we can see the physical body. Yeah. So one is the physical body. The other is the energy body. Then we travel to the mental body, the wisdom body, and the bliss body. So Todd, this is what we learned when we were doing body work in our 30s, is oh. when we would talk about, and again, I know that the language may not resonate with you, but the thing, we were working with someone for about eight years around 
you know, dealing with those layers below, because when things become physical, that's the last level. That's right. You know, once something's become physical, you need to deal with it on a physical level. Um, but the truth is, is it was manifesting on lower levels for probably a while before it came out physically. So does that resonate with you? It does. It, it makes me think of chakras, but I, it's a lot different than chakras, well, right? Well, it's, it's, that's funny that you say that because the, they are related to chakras. And I actually talk about in the book, each, each body of the five bodies, they, there is a, a certain chakra that's activated. Mm. So in the physical body, that's actually your first chakra, the root chakra. Mm. That's the grounding, feeling safe in the world, things mm. like that. Then the energy body is that second chakra. That's your whole reproductive area, your, your choice, your, your fertility you know, all of that, the birthing energy. Mm. Um, and then the mind, the mental body, uh, that goes into that that third power center, the, your digestive area. We talk about doing a cleanse in that this time in my book. There's all, in during, the Daring to Rest method, I add in optional additional practices that you can do to clean these five bodies. Mm. Because the more we remember that we are five bodies, well, the more we can remember that we're not separate. Mm -hmm. You know, because this is this is something when you talked about uh Kathy, the the what we call in Yoga Nidra holding the tension of the opposites, or actually that's a Marion Woodman phrase, but the Yoga Nidra, we hold opposites all the time. So we don't live in this either or place and going through these bodies you begin to loosen ego's hold on you yes. and when you do that you're able to reside more in a place of oneness feeling that the universe has your back yes how many times do we feel like we're just falling and we're going to just fall and we're going to fall apart and we're just we're just going to stay there and that it's in our dna oh my father was like that my mother was like, listen i have a whole family legacy of panic attacks when i started thinking about it my father we used to go to the emergency room they said he wasn't dying because you think you're dying with mm -hmm. the panic attacks. I started that same cycle. Yeah. That's when I went on anti-anxiety pills because I was going to the emergency room. Same thing. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, that's just my destiny. Uh-uh. Did you ever read Bruce Lipton's uh, book on epigenetics? Yes. Yeah, that, yes. that, that kind of... That was really enlightening yeah. for mm -hmm. me. And can you explain for the listeners what epigenetics is, or at least just the spirit, just the spirit of you not subscribing to what your dad's story was? Well, your biology isn't your belief. Correct. Right. You That's know? the name of the book, the biology yes. of belief. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great title because it's exactly the content, you know, more or less. Uh, yeah, your biology isn't your belief. You, you don't, don't fall into that bullshit. And so many of us subscribe <laughs> to that. Right? Yes. Oh, we're we're so stuck yeah. on that. And what I loved about Yoga Nidra, because I thought it was just rest. And listen, just rest, that's great enough, right? Because I was a mom, I was exhausted. I needed that. And I stopped driving over curbs and I yeah. stopped going through <laughs> stop signs. So totally. all of that stuff was like huge. My kids thought it was going over curbs was like, oh, wow, this is so much fun. And I'm Do realizing I'm a drunk driver. Right. This is not fun. This is serious. Right. So that stuff was just yoga nidra knocks that out of the ballpark because you start feeling more well rested but the deeper piece is are these imprints and yoga we call them the samskaras that we have that make us believe that our biology is our destiny yes. <laughs> that make us believe that that oh well that habit oh i saw my mom do that and that's why i do that and i'm just going to keep doing that mm. no 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 yoga nidra messes all that up mm. <laughs> yoga nidra says it loosens it all. It loosens the identification. You keep that self-identification with, with uh, a habit, a pattern, and it says, uh-uh, you don't, no, no. Yeah. That may reside in you, but this does as well. So it's the and both. Yes, you're angry, and you're the opposite of anger. Yes. It's like we, for women birthing babies. Yes, there's fear, and there's trust. Mm -hmm. Can we find both? And that they they've always lived side by side. Yeah. You know that that they is, can't exist without. They can't exist without each the other. Opposite. I, I just wrote something the other day about sitting on the front porch, and sometimes when I'm out there, I get really really happy, and I end up crying. And I've had my uh, my youngest has come out before when I'm crying, and she's like, "Are you know are you sad? Are you lonely?" And I'm like, "That's not really what I'm feeling." But we don't have a lot of language for that middle place, for that place of 
part of the reason I'm crying and feeling grief is because I'm so happy or vice versa. I'm feeling a lot of grief right now and there's a joy in how much I've loved. It, you know, it's like we that language, I think um, I wrote, uh, there is a uh, Japanese word, wabi-sabi, that is actually about that, I think, uh, that that coming together where there's, it's not one thing, it's the combination of both. I, look that up, Todd, make oh, sure well. I'm saying that right. But um, so yeah, wabi-sabi. But so, you know, when you, it, one of the stories that I wanted to tell you, and I won't dive too deeply into this, is that your book came to me uh, last year. And we knew that we were going to do this interview like six months ago. And I was so happy to have your book because I had seen another friend post about it. So it was already, you know, I was like, oh, this is coming out. And then in January, I got really sick. And um, just a little sick, sweetie. <laughs> got really sick. I was, she was sick for a month. She was wow. horizontal for 30 days. Oh, wow. But it was sick, similar to what you were just saying, is I definitely I had the flu. I was physically sick. Um, and that lasted, you know, that kind of physical ailment lasted for a couple weeks. But then what happened after that was all emotional. Um, I definitely had panic attacks to the point where I said to Todd, take me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He didn't, um, which was, you know, I we kind of worked on things here with breathing and, you know, you know, he helped me through it and I helped myself, but, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of the lower body, or we wouldn't, you wouldn't say lower body, other layers of the body, you know, a lot of grief was coming out. My father passed away last year. And a lot of that was, even though I felt as if I grieved it well, there's really no such thing because you don't get to control that kind of thing, which I am now very, I thought I knew that before, but now I really know that. Um, and so again, all these layers were coming out and your book was sitting next to my bed and I was so thankful. Mm-hmm. Even I was so sick that it was kind of hard to read. And sometimes when you're in that crisis level, it, it, you feel so hopeless that it's hard to pick up a book and go, I think I'll do this. But there was something so simple about the chapter about intention, about just have a statement that you say. So I wasn't going through the whole yoga nidra process. I hadn't even started your emails yet, so I didn't really know how. But I just had an uh, an intention of um, I'm feeling, I'm safe, I'm free. And there was something about those words, and, and they may sound other, you know, to other people like, why were those words grounding? I just knew that the feeling that I was doing was good, meaning even though it hurt meaning there was a lot of pain physically and emotionally that it needed to come out, Yeah. right? And then I'm safe was the grounded element. You know, the root chakra element is that you are connected to the ground. You're okay, Todd's here. And not just him, but, you know, people are here to help you because I had other people. And also you're free, meaning that this will flow, this will pass, this will, you'll, you will, you can do what you need to do. And again, I can't even access the, how, vital those words to me were at the time. It's like, um, like an anchor. Yes. Thank you. That's the, that's the right word. So, you know, you know, and I know this, this book has so many chapters about, you know, things to do to, to get into yoga nidra, but intention, will you talk about intention and why that's so essential? Yeah, it's, it's critical. It's critical. And it is an anchor. It's, well, we live without intention. So many of us and, to state an intention, first of all, if you think of a vision board, you know, the moment you vision and you put that, you know, out there and you focus on that, um, it, it's not about manifesting it necessarily, but it's about aligning energy toward it, con- streaming conscious energy toward a certain uh, intention. Now, Intention in Yoga Nidra is a little different than what some people think. You have that you really hit the intention perfectly mm. in terms of some people struggle with creating an intention because we think of intention as goals. Right. You know, we think, okay, my intention is I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna stop smoking, or whatever the goal is. In Yoga Nidra, it's not connected to an agenda. Although it's connected to our lives, like I'm safe, you know, if, we're, if you're feeling panic, I'm safe is a really great intention to start with, because that's really the broader piece. It's about safety. It's really mm-hmm. tapping into the bigger picture. The bigger picture is what this intention is all about in Yoga Nidra. And the exciting part, again, when I shake my Yoga Nidra pom-poms, it's when you go into Yoga Nidra and you plant this intention when you're deep in yoga nidra, you repeat it in the beginning of the meditation, but then I have you repeat it in 
toward the end. This is right after the bliss body. Yoga Nidra takes you to sleep. Unlike meditation where you stay, most meditations, you stay in your waking state conscious. Mm -hmm. You might follow your breath. You might follow a mantra. In Yoga Nidra, you're taken from the waking to dreaming to deep sleep state and then beyond to a fourth state of consciousness. You can't get there with sleep. It's called Turiya. And in that fourth state of consciousness where you're literally your mind can go virtually to zero. So your thoughts are virtually zero. And that's what's in our way, right? Our because when you're dreaming, you're thinking. Yeah. You, well, you're, there are still thoughts going yeah. on. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. When they measure dreaming, dreaming, actually, the dreaming state, there's definitely still thoughts. Going right, of course. Quite right. a few. And, and even and deep sleep, there's some thoughts. It's much less. So you're telling me, this is the first time I've ever heard this, there's a fourth stage of rest or sleep where you're at like absolute zero. Yogi Amrit Desai calls it the zero stress zone. Wow. He's trademarked that, by the way. Mm. <laughs> so it's it, the zero stress zone. And yes, in this space, your subconscious mind is so open, it's so fertile. And when you plant your intention, I then say, repeat your intention three times. You'll hear me say that in a yoga nidra meditation. You plant that intention. And instead of your thoughts going, oh, no way, I'm not safe. <laughs> you know, I'm not worthy. <laughs> you know, I'm not free. You know, instead, your subconscious mind goes, yes, you know, come on in. Mm -hmm. right. And the intention comes on, comes on in. And when you wake up from yoga nidra, this is why I call yoga nidra lying down to wake up, because you literally wake up to everything in your life. You realize, oh, okay, I may feel some lack of safety, but I am also safe. Mm. The safety Isn't that the too. best, Todd? Well, we practice yoga together a lot and I fall asleep a lot during... I've just been one of those guys that can fall asleep the minute they get on the plane and then wake up after we land and all that. So I think I would be pretty good at this. Me too. And I think... But I also... I want to get to this... And I know it's not about arriving at a destination, but this fourth state sounds pretty That's interesting like, I'll too. I'll go from zero to Like four. I feel like I'm, I've already taken the course of sleep now just get me deeper but anyways i i, I don't well, know and, anything and the about language it. you know and again you know karen has all the language you know the yogic language and, and the better explanation of this but i just think about it as a core level you know that core level like i was just reading something you know reading some things from a course in miracles yesterday just about you know no matter what you know, love is the truth. Love is what we are. Love is what we come from. And a lot of people, when you put that in your thoughts, you're like, yeah, people think about it in a romantic way or love, whatever. But our core level knows that everything is love. Our core level understand. our core level, like you said, has that sense of safety. That's why when we say the mantra in that stage of I am safe, it's like, of course you are. Like there's such an acceptance of you, you know, you've reached, that's always been in you. Um, that's always there. It's what we come from. But then when you have that mantra, it just, it, it heightens that already awareness that may have been covered up just by the lifetime of being human. I mean, there's just, you know, like really the reason I love this, there's so many reasons, but really it's just remembering to hear yourself, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's, our body is talking to us all the time. And one of your chapters about the, the physical body is, you know, you talk about how the physical body is always telling us. It always is. So it's not about that the physical body is failing us. We just may not be listening to it. Oh, yeah. There's and it's your teacher, right? It's telling you what you need. Like, you know, if you're whatever, you're, you get sick or whatever, your body's saying, listen, you got to slow down type stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you just think about yourself, you know, you know, if you try to describe yourself as a car, you know, if you say, oh, well, I'm out of gas, uh, I'm falling apart, the brake, got to put on the brakes. You know, if you start thinking about your life in terms of what kind of car are you, what yeah. kind of shape is your car in, mm, you'll start to tap into your level of exhaustion. Yeah. You know, um, brakes are shot, mm. you know, all of these types of things that we, we use these metaphors all the time, actually. We say, I'm out of gas, you know, totally. <laughs> you know, so, so if you tap into that, you'll start to see, I used to say, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Even when I was having, you know, my husband was traveling five months a year. I said, I'm fine. I was fine. Fine is usually a code word for you're not so fine. Right. <laughs> so here's the big question. Right. That's true for our kids too. How was school? Yeah. Fine. Yeah, we hear that I a got a feeling there's a lot of people out there like, oh, I need to do yoga nidra, um, but I can't. Too busy. What, what, do we, what do we do with that? Yeah, that 
you know, obviously is the first place is giving yourself permission to rest. And the permission to rest piece is, uh, you know, a back and forth. It's like a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. You know, the hero, they go out into the world and then they retreat back before they go set out because they got not too hard, whatever. But you got to just dip your, dip your feet. And I always say to people, and this is why I wrote the book as a 40 day program, commit to it like a 40 day experience or a 21 day experience and, and, and just see, just see what happens. Just see what happens because often that can start to break the cycle of fatigue and you can start to see that, oh, this could be a good thing in my life. This might, maybe I can fit this in before, you know, in, in the middle of my day with work, my husband used to do it right before lunchtime. He used to close his door. Luckily, he had a door to close. Not everyone does. But some people can go to the park at lunch or go, you know, wherever they go eat their lunch. They can put in earbuds and literally they can sit in a chair and practice yoga nidra. And I used to do it right before the dinner time hour because mm. I was exhausted Me from too. dinner on through the bedtime thing with the kids. I was just like... I, and it was, I became such a nicer mommy mm. and I had a sign that said, mommy's napping. And if they saw the sign, they don't come in. You know, I'm telling you, Karen, like even now, this was definitely true when my kids were little, but even now the age they are, I am the most tired from three to six and not necessarily tired. Like if someone said, well, you could just go to bed for the night. I don't know if I'd want to do that. It's more of an emotional tired. It's more like I've spent some some of my energy, the emotional energy, where it's hard for me to uh, attune to people as well at three o'clock. And, but that's when everyone's coming home. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, you know? back in the old days, you used to have the witching hour right. because the witching hour was between three and five. And because we had young kids, right. now that we have That was older, a, more of a physical exhaustion. That, yeah, right. Well, plus emotional. I mean, right. answering... 2000 questions from a three-year-old True. is exhausting. <laughs> True. You're right. And, but I, the reason I'm just getting so excited is because I, I kind of, the way I structure my day with meditation, with yoga, I'm very like, I'm going to do it in the morning. I'm going to do it in the morning. And, and there is a part of me that's like, if I do it in the morning, I won't forget. And I, I don't like the statement, but I'll get it out of the way. I'm putting that in quotes. It's not, I, I love doing it, but I worry about if I wait till later in the day, maybe I won't do it. But there's something so powerful about what you just said. Three is when I need it. Well, that's the thing. I always say to people, tap into the time that you need it. I mean, absolutely, the bookends of the day, the morning, the night, that's the easiest for most people because it's like brushing your teeth. You just put it into your routine. That's what you do. That's your morning routine or that's your evening routine. It does become easier for a lot more people to do it that way. But then, you know, for a mom like me, I worked from home and when the kids came home, my work stopped and it was the kids. And I felt like I absolutely had to, and it was, I had to do it at a different time. I, I, it, I was, had that dip and I trained my kids. It wasn't easy. My older son spirited off the whatever charts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember him saying once, and it's kind of funny, he said to me, I said, only in an emergency, can you open the door? You only can only emergency. And so they'd go through different scenarios like, okay, is a house burning? That's an emergency. And I'd say, yes, that's an emergency. And then my son said, if LeBron James is at the door, can I come? (laughs) And I said, no. Oh, wow. LeBron James at the front door is not an emergency. Mm. (laughs) It might be to you, but it is not to me. Well, and, and thank you for saying that because I think that's something that sometimes parents don't trust is it does take, you know, we could use the word training or practice or consistency, you know, like my girls are very similar with when I when I have my quiet time or when I have my meditation. They may like tiptoe by the door or but they're so used to they know first of all they know that they're used to it. Second of all, they know it will come to an end, meaning it's not like, oh, I won't be able to ask mom a question. I'll just ask it in 10 minutes. You know, they they have a they kids can manage this. We have to model it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We exactly. have to model it. You know, you, you 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 can't be surprised if you're not modeling it to your kids that your kids are, you know, not doing these things, whether it's healthy eating, whether it's uh, reading books, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. you know, um, and there's no perfection in it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely uh, not, you know, I don't, I don't do yoga nidra every day sometimes, you know, it depends on what, what season it is in my life, when, whether I need it. What's your average practice? How long do you? During the week, I usually only do 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, and on the weekend, I like to do a 40 minute. Yoga so, and Todd, just, just so you know, throughout Karen's book, she says consistently, Chuck perfection. 
Yeah, Shock forget perfection. about it. I mean, there was, and why that's so helpful is because then people don't have to think this is something, you know, it's like going into something without thinking, oh my God, every day for the rest of my life. It's like, no, this is something I get to do. Yes. Chuck Perfection, it's a 40 day program. Do it in 50 days. Sure. If that's, you know, maybe there's a reason you can't do it, or maybe just a day you don't want to do it. You, you know, we have real lives. So walk me through it. So you're going to go do yoga nidra. You close the door. You lay on your bed, you put headphones on, like what happens? I typically, see, I talk to women a lot about creating, if they can, and a lot of them can, you can even do a makeshift one, a rest cave, to create a really sacred space. space. You can do it in your bed. If you have sleep issues, I usually recommend not to, unless you're going to sleep practicing yoga nidra, uh, just because you want sleep for the bed and you want you know, your yoga nidra, either on the floor on a yoga mat, or you could go on your couch, or maybe mm. you have a spare room. Mm. For me, I set up in my basement. I have my rest cave. I go in there. I never had a, I actually have a carpet in there, but I, I never had a bed until recently. I just inherited it. My mother was moving mm. out of a cabin, so I inherited a bed. We didn't know where to put it. I said, oh, I'll put it in the rest cave. So I, you don't have to have a bed, but I like to lay down. You don't have to lay down. Uh, I have little uh, like Christmassy lights. They're not colorful. They're, mm. they're white lights that I put on. Mm. I have an uh, eye pillow. I have a blanket. I usually put something underneath my knees because mm. it makes the back more relaxed. And honestly, then I just do nothing. I listen. I turn on the yoga nidra. Listen to my guided voice. Sometimes I don't listen to my voice because at first I thought it was a little <laughs> weird, but you know, actually it's, it's not you, so bad. Right, I know. Right. It's you doing you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I listen to the voice and I go off into the yoga nidra land with my eye pillow. Well, yummy. I mean, you painted such a wonderful picture. Like it's so appealing. Like I know. when I first, you know, I'm sure a lot of moms and dads are like, ah, I don't have time. But you know, if, if we could picture what you just created, the story in our head of eye pillows and something under your knee and white light and darkness. It's just sounds wonderful. Well, think of it as nap time, you know, yeah. you know that we put our kids to sleep when they're grouchy or they need a nap. And so we need it too. And I really feel strongly about that. And, um, I will say for families, I, this is off the charts. If you can, and I've done this with my kids, we've done Sunday night, family yoga nidra night, mm. and we all <laughs> sleep together. That couples off the chart. It's also best couples therapy ever, I feel. Talk about you want to feel more kindness towards your husband. You want to remember you're living with your husband, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or your partner or whatever. Y you just lay down. And honestly, by the end, you look at each other and you suddenly see them in a whole different light. Oh, I love you feel that. soft, you feel gentle. It's a really nice place to begin a conversation when you didn't feel so soft and gentle when you're kind of busy. You know, the, the group that I'm thinking we could all benefit from this, you know, me personally, I know, uh, Todd definitely. Um, but I'm thinking about, you know, right now it's, uh, we're doing this, um, interview in May and it's graduation time and there's a lot of kids going off to school and there's a lot of kids going into their senior year and there's a lot of, you know, transition and kids, older kids, uh, young adults are feeling so much pressure um, mm -hmm. what a gift this would be to give them. And I'm sure you, do you work with teenagers? I started working in my son's school. He, he has learning differences mm -hmm. and I started working in his school with the kids there doing the daring to rest program. It was phenomenal. Yeah. The, they, well, first of all, I'm hugely concerned about what's happening in the schools we have in our neighborhood, lots of suicides, high suicide rate, um, in the Daring to Rest Academy, I'm training people to bring this into every place. And one of the places is schools. One of the women in Canada, she's already been invited to start doing programs in the schools, Daring to Rest programs. So yeah, I this is critical. And a lot of, well, boys and girls, but the girls in particular yeah. really love this. They The number of them that told me they had sleep issues was incredible uh, and also anxiety lots of anxiety, depression mm -hmm. too, but they talked to me a lot about sleep and anxiety and they just felt so relaxed afterwards. Uh, we did it also in, with Smith College. There's a health psychology professor there and uh, I talked to her health psychology class a few times, but uh, in a, we have done a 21-day um, experience with her students and they also just fed back that it was so 
needed, so delicious. And it's alarming on college campuses uh, just how many kids are on medications oh, for yeah. sleep, anxiety, depression. Oh, we, yeah. we need, a, a, you know, there's always everyone has um, their own unique situation. So sometimes medication is necessary, but um, why not try something like this rest medicine? Either before or or in addition to. Absolutely, right. absolutely, as yeah. a part of your healing. Because, you know, when you're in a situation where things are, you need medication, you... I think you also need yoga, Nidra. You need rest. Right. If if you're at and that it's it's interesting because I I can't I couldn't let you go today without bringing up the play that you wrote, which is called Birth. And um, I before we started before we started taping, Karen and I were talking about it, and I said to her, you know, I was really interested in the play you did because I was very interested in in natural birth and hypnobirthing. And Karen made the point of saying, well, birth wasn't just about natural birth. Birth was about the the choice that we can make, the knowledge that we can have, and then whatever may come, we can manage. And I'm paraphrasing what you said, but it's really the same thing. It, you know, it's not about either do yoga uh, nidra or meds, or it's this way or that way. It's all of it. And that's like what you said with all the layers of the body. That's what we figure out is there is no linear path. It's like this big blend. So so tell us about birth, just so people know that it's out there and that this is yours. I mean, you wrote it. Now it's everybody's, but you wrote it. Yeah. And I wrote the play actually um, after my first year of practicing Yoga Nidra. I thought I was writing a book, but in Yoga Nidra, I received a soul whisper, Mm -hmm. what I call now soul whispers in the book. But these are the instructions that I feel when you take the pause, you get instructions. And I, I heard this instruction. This is a play. It's a play. It's a play. And I went home. I told my husband, I think I'm writing a play. <laughs> and he's like, you don't know how to write a play. And I said, I, I'm writing a play. I was I had been trying to write this book for over a year. I had interviewed 118 women about their birth experiences. Yeah. I thought I was writing a book, but it was like fighting the tofu, you know, with getting this book done. I thought I'm never going to get this book done because I don't know what to even say. But the play just came out effortlessly. So that's fascinating. Where the voice? You didn't. It wasn't audible because we've. I remember Wayne Dyer said one time is you know he had this. Oh, I don't know what he called it. Like this cosmic shift or something happened. He heard a voice in a hotel room and it changed his life forever. Whatever. I I have a hard time with that. You had a voice inside your head or inside your soul or inside your heart that showed up about this play. Where is that? Where. Who is that voice? Where does that come from? You know, that's that's the mystery. <laughs> you know, that's that's the that's the place where you know there. What what I love about yoga nidra is here we are talking about it, but it really there are no words for yoga nidra. Mm. Right. <laughs> there are no words. It is a place that just is. It's the mystery. And so for some people they'll see an image. For some people they'll see a word or they'll hear a phrase. And where do they hear it from? I don't know. Um, so I often guide people to follow their breath into their bodies and see where it lands in the body, what area of the body, because usually an area of the body is talking to us, maybe a place where you have pain. Often people who have pain will probably go to that place and then just see if there's a word, image, or phrase that arrives or a color, mm-hmm. you know, the, the image could be just a color and just notice that whatever is rising. And sometimes you'll get nothing and you may get nothing, nothing, nothing. And actually nothing is something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nothing is something. So listen to nothing. What's nothing? You can journal about it. Mm -hmm. You can journal about nothing. Just put nothing on the page and start writing. Right. And see what nothing is. And and Todd, you know, what you were just saying that sometimes when people describe their experiences and they may say something is audible, I have had audible experiences, but I think sometimes we visualize it or we think about it like a movie, like there's some voice above, but really no matter if it's audible feeling seen, because I do see words too, it's all, it's you. Mm. And so it's, I kind of think it's how we respond to things. You know, I kind of feel like it's where where we can hear it or see it, whatever that means. It depends on the person. So, and you aren't doing this at all, Todd, but when we argue about how it's supposed to come or, well, mine came this way and yours should have come, it's all, it's how that person can feel it's it. kind of like when people talk about God, like this religion's right and that religion's wrong. Right. Like there, it's, you can't, it's, in, it's indescribable. It's You're trying indescrib- to put words to something that ought not to be described to begin with. That's but, the first uh, phrase of the Tao, right? 
uh, the Dow is not well, the Dow. Well, yeah, like what you're trying to describe is the Dow. Well, then it's no longer the Dow. Yeah, right. It's undescribable. Yeah. Yeah. So once you start to put words to it. So anyway. My favorite Dow quote, yeah. the Dow does nothing and leaves nothing undone. It's beautiful. Mm. I love that. Yeah. But about birth, I'm just yes, swinging back to that because there's so many parallels between my play Birth and Yoga Nidra. Just, yes. you know, I feel strongly, first of all, the play went on this little soul whisper, went on to raise over a million dollars to improve maternity care. It's been produced all over the world. Uh, and I, again, I quote, didn't know how to write a play, but there you go. It came. So I do believe we get these instructions in Yoga Nidra a lot. The play and birth itself, you know, there's something very instructive about childbirth for life. When you give birth to a baby, when you go through transition, that's the moment where you think you can't do it and you know you yes. can. Mm -hmm. Mostly you think you can't yes. because we're in separateness in our lives. Yes. So we think we can. And transition is actually when you can hold the tension of both I can and I can't. And that's when the baby's born. Yes. That's when the baby's born. <laughs> yes. I actually, our story of our third child, uh, she was actually born in our car on the way. And I remember saying, I don't know if I, and again, I don't know what was audible. Todd was the one listening to me, but I remember really thinking, and, and I want to say, when I say this to my kids, they get afraid and it's nothing to be afraid of. I really thought I was at that like I, there was a piece of me that was dying. Like I, it felt like the pain or the experience. I don't even know if pain's the right word. It was like, it felt like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm coming to an end. If we want to call that death or whatever it may be. And then, like you said, it, she was born, like I it didn't see what was happening, but she was born and it was gone like that, like that moment of, I can't do this and joy and relief were like almost in, in a second, inseparable. Yeah. And so that's the thing is then with my other two, it was a very different experience. I had an epidural. I was very uh, present for the whole thing. And, and that was lovely and fantastic too. It's just, it was interesting. I think that's where, like you said, I keep going down to this because it, it feels so good, but all those layers where all these things that we believe and all these linear ways that we think, they all get mixed up and it's all, we can do it all. And then we, and, and sometimes we can't. And then it's just a very, um, it's very subtle shift. And when you have that experience, then everything opens up. Like you said, you wake up, you go to sleep to wake up. Yes. When you can hold that tension yeah. of the opposites, yes. you know, you come into oneness. It's the orgasm too. Yes. And that's why we love orgasms yes. because it takes us into a place of wholeness Yes, because we feel whole for just that second when, you know, the two opposites come. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. Oh, yeah. That is so <laughs> true. That is so interesting. Yeah. And that, and, and isn't that, you know, the place that so many people want to go yet then in other situations, we're so afraid. You know, it's like, gosh, we could just, could we talk for four hours? <laughs> I mean, this is like the, my, this, and, and the reason why, and I know we're probably closing up here, but is especially because I work with women, these issues, every word that we've used, these are things that women are talking about all the time. Every woman I work with, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have words for what I'm experiencing. I want this, but I, I'm afraid of this. Everything we've talked about. And, and it's not saying, okay, well then for everybody, the, here's your solution because yoga nidra is a practice and it's not something that will solve everything. It helps you in dealing with everything. When, how, how would you just, yeah, can you I say, say that better? Yoga nidra is not the solution to your problem. It helps lead you to solutions. Beautiful. You, you hear the instructions or the messages, whatever it is, even yes. with my anxiety that led me to this dreadlock healer on the Lower East side of Manhattan wow. who, you know, explained to me that the anxiety was just energy. Yes. It's just energy as I was shaking, yes. <laughs> as I was literally spinning, trying, my husband had to drive me there. I could not drive the car. I was in too much panic. You know, so did Yoga Nidra? No, Yoga Nidra got me there. Yes. I got the message to get my ass there. Mm. Yes, that's <laughs> you know? it. So that's how it, it helped me. And I think, yes, it helps for sleep. I get, I get emails every single week from people who say 20 years of insomnia, gone. You know, so, hey, you know, that's huge, huge. Right. But we forget, again, rest is the foundation. If you think about healing, what do you do when when when, when the doctor says you're sick? He says, go, go to bed. 
Go, go rest. Well, why don't we get that message earlier? Think about what kind of car you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if your brakes are shot, go rest, set your foundation, build your foundation. So Karen, is there anything else? I mean, I love these last, whatever, 50 minutes, whatever we've been doing here. Uh, is there anything that you wish we would have asked or something, you know, a loose end that you want to tie up or get, whether it's your book, I mean, and we'll, we'll give you the website and all that stuff, but is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't give you the opportunity to share? I think we've covered it all. Oh, we've good. really gone everywhere and it's been really juicy. Thanks, oh. guys. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for your work. Um, I want to thank you for this book because it showed up as things do at the right time. You know, it needed to be sitting next to me, even if it was just to start with the intention. Even Because mm-hmm. like you said, it's not going to change everything instantaneously. It gets you to the next place where then you can do the next thing. So thank you for this and thank you for doing birth because like you said, it has changed people's lives. It's cha- you know, it's raised money. It's changing the world. Continu- on without, you, you know, it continues to move on. Absolutely. It continues to grow. So thank you. Um, so how do people find out more about you? So they can go to daringtorest.com. Okay. The whole Daring to Rest world is there. You can find me on Instagram. I hang out there a lot. Nice. Share some of where I'm resting. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been great. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support and keep on trucking.